0: The scripture reading today is a responsive reading from Psalm 19, beginning with verses one through four and then picking up again at verse seven through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. The heavens are telling the glory of God and the dome of the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech nor are their words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us bow before God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for bringing us into this time and this place, wherever we may be. We ask that you would take the word given to us in Holy Scripture and through that word now proclaimed, that you would speak to each of us as if there was nobody, nobody else here, as if we were the only ones in your presence. Come and grant to us a word that will bring us life, new and abundant life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. In our sermons through the summer we're looking together at the basic elements of Christian faith calling the series Contours of Faith. Last Sunday Pastor Lisa Larson focused our attention on what Jesus teaches about prayer, about talking to God, about the kinds of things that we're to talk to God about and the willingness of God to listen to our prayers and the relationship with God that God wants us to have with God that comes in large part through our conversation our ongoing conversation with God in prayer in fact one of the great truths that Lisa shared last week was that you cannot become intimate with anyone that you don't talk to talk speech conversation it's not just about getting something from someone you don't walk up to someone and immediately say can you give me this can you give me that there may come a time for that but initially it's about connecting and about growing in relationship with someone else, and so too is that the case with prayer. We become intimate with God. God becomes wrapped up in our lives. Our lives become wrapped up in God's life because of that conversation in prayer that we have with God. That was last Sunday. What I want us to think about today is the other side of the coin. I want us to think about the God who listens to us, and then the God who in turn speaks to us. The conversation is a two-way street. God has something to say. God speaks. Many people really don't believe that God actually speaks. If they believe in God. Somehow God is silent. God is out there, but God does not speak because they've never heard God speak audibly. There has been no audible voice that they or somebody else around them has heard. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that I have actually myself, ever heard God speak like that, though on three occasions that I can remember, and perhaps there are some other occasions, three occasions in the last 50 years, so that's not very frequently, but I have discovered the voice in my conscience was so loud, so powerful, with words that really seemed to come out of the middle of nowhere, that it very, very much seemed to me as if God was speaking to me from the outside coming inside. One of those occasions I've shared with some of you, and it was about my coming here to National in 2010. It was Christmas Eve in 2010, I came in 2011. It was Christmas Eve in 2010, and the Christmas Eve service was going on in my former congregation. And as with Christmas Eve services anywhere, it was holy, it was peaceful. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. I was looking out over the congregation as I'm now looking out over you. And this is where I wanted to be, right in front of this congregation. And then out of nowhere, a voice entered my head, and it was a very clear and overwhelming voice. And it said, in a way that I could not have invented, you won't be here next year. I looked out, and I wanted to be there next year. These were the people I wanted to be with but it was inescapable, you won't be here next year. And strange as it seemed, that was true. I had no contact with National at that time, no clue what was going to happen, but the voice was remarkably clear and was a part, not the only part, but a part of my decision-making process, which led me here. So I think God does speak audibly, but even if God doesn't speak audibly or in a way that is audible to you, And I said, well, that's three times in 50 years, so that's not very often. That doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. In fact, I can think of at least two reasons why we might think that God doesn't speak even if God does speak. And the first reason is this, that we're just not listening. We're just not listening. If you don't think that God speaks, maybe it's because you or I, we are just not listening. We're not paying attention to God. Maybe you remember those of you who were here last Sunday a story that Lisa told about a man who owned an ice house and lost a valuable watch in the middle of the sawdust inside. Listen again to the story she told last week. She said he made a thorough search of the building carefully raking through the sawdust but didn't find it. His workers looked also but no one was able to find it. When the noon whistle blew all the workers vacated the building to eat. While they were away a little boy who had heard about their unsuccessful search slipped inside the ice house. He soon found the watch. Amazed, the owner asked him how he found it. It was simple, he explained. I closed the door, lay down quietly in the sawdust. I just kept very still. And soon I heard the watch ticking. I followed the sound until I found it. Sometimes I think it's true we don't hear God's voice because we're not listening. God is speaking, but we are not listening. In the busyness of life, we don't stop like that little boy had to do. The others were busy. They were looking, but they weren't still. And in the stillness of that moment, he heard the voice, which they might have said that tick-tock wasn't there to be heard but it was there to be heard. Maybe we are just not paying attention to God. Now, Of course, we're here today because we want to pay attention to God. Grateful that you're here. We're giving time each week to pay attention to God. And that is wonderful. And I trust and I pray that through the preaching of the word and anything else that goes on in the service, that you will leave every Sunday with a word from God, that that miracle will in fact take place. Sunday by Sunday but what about the other days of the week when life is busy and we're rushing in all kinds of different directions I would challenge you to listen for God's voice every day and not just Sunday we commit time to different things in life we commit time to eat maybe 20-30 minutes maybe an hour every day to eat we do that without fail maybe we commit some time every day to exercise 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30, an hour, whatever it is. We make a commitment to do that in order to get fit. We brush our teeth. Hope you brush your teeth. What, five minutes, maybe five minutes a day to brush your teeth? We make that commitment day after day. What about five minutes for God? Just start with five minutes for God. Stop everything. Listen for God. Maybe we will hear God speaking in ways we have never heard God speaking before and find that, in fact, the God of the universe actually does speak to us. Maybe we're not listening. We need to think about that if we think that God doesn't speak to us. But sometimes when we don't hear God's voice, it's not just a matter of stopping and being still. It's a matter of tuning in to the right wavelength to hear what God is saying to us. The right frequency of God is the broadcaster, as it were. God is the one who chooses the frequency that we must tune into in order to hear what God has to say. Are you tuning in to the right frequency, the right wavelengths? And what are those frequencies? What are those wavelengths? Well, our passage of scripture today speaks of a couple that we need to pay attention to. Two wavelengths or frequencies on which God broadcasts God's voice. So turn in your bulletin to the scripture to Psalm 19 and you'll see that the first wavelength, the first frequency that God uses to speak to us is in the realm of, realm of nature, the world of creation, the world of matter that God has brought into being. God speaks through what God has created. It's God of the vast universe of 2,000 billion galaxies Has used everything that God makes to be a channel of his voice into our lives just as any artist speaks through the canvas God speaks through creation so listen again the heavens are telling the glory of God and the dome of the sky proclaims God's handiwork day to day pours forth speech I mean God is speaking night to night declares knowledge But sure, there is no speech, nor are their words, their voice is not heard, that's what we think most of the time. Yet, their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. God speaking through the created order of things. There is no question that with all the city lights around about us, we miss the full glory of the night sky that most people through most of history have seen every single day of their lives, they look up to the heavens, and the heavens are filled with all the stars of the universe. And we miss that. We really miss that when it comes to believing in the God who has the power to speak to us. But I do believe that if we stop and listen, even in the daytime, there are things that will catch our attention, and they will be intimations of God and the presence of God and the Word of God within our lives and that if we're careful, we can find some place, and maybe you know where where this place is, in all of creation, or in the midst of the things that we have made in the name of God, where you find God speaking. I like mountains. Like being on mountaintops looking down, I like looking up, and I find that God speaks to me there. Some people like valleys, deep in the woods somewhere. Others like the noise of the city. Some of us can't wait to get away from the noise of the city but somehow that hubbub speaks about life and energy and God is in the midst of that for some people or a room in your house a chair in your house but when you settle down somehow the voice of God becomes clearer here of course in the sanctuary time and again perhaps this is where we have heard God speak to us where's that place where's that space Part of the material universe in which God speaks to you. Are you tuning in to that? The heavens, the created stuff of life. God speaks like an artist through that to you and me. And then the psalmist goes on to speak about another wavelength of frequency in which God speaks to us. Not just through the created universe and the whole business of life. Find your place in that. But through the written book the Bible that God has given to us. Listen again to Psalm 19. Remember, this psalm was a song written before it was Scripture, just as a song or a poem. And that in the course of time, people realize, well, yes, actually, God is speaking even through this psalm or poem. It became a part of Holy Scripture, but it's split into two, God's revelation in nature, and then it speaks about God's revelation in the book. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Halfway down, verse 7, this transition away from nature to what is written. The law of the Lord. God's word in scripture is perfect, reviving the soul. Need your soul revived by God? Go to the book. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Need some wisdom in life? Turn to the book. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart? Need some new joy in your life? Turn to the book. The commandment of the Lord is clear. Enlightening the eyes. Need some enlightenment? We all do. More to be desired a day than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, than the drippings of the honeycomb. So if we want to tune into God's voice, we need to know that God does speak to us, not only through places and spaces, the created order Of things if we're still enough to listen but also through the written word in the pages of the Bible and through that written word God wants to shape the nature and the character of our lives let me share three ways in which I think God uses the book to shape our lives to recreate our lives so that we become more like the Savior whose path we follow more like Jesus himself Sometimes, as Psalm 19 says, God speaks to us through commandments, through commandments, the do's and don'ts, rules and regulations and principles that we find in the Bible. We have, for example, the Ten Commandments in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. We have in the teaching of Jesus in the Gospel, the two great commandments, love God, love your neighbor. These are commands. We have the Great Commission to go and share the message of Jesus with the whole wide world, not a suggestion, but a commandment and there are many more commandments in the pages of scripture, rules and regulations. There are some people who don't like that, the idea that we have these rules and these regulations. They say, well, you know, just as I'm beginning to enjoy something, God says, stop it. That's God's command. And that's how they think about commandments as sort of a killjoy approach from God to them. So let's throw all of these things out, but not so fast, not so fast commandments and rules and regulations are actually critical for life and indeed they're critical for joy in life if in fact you're able to see life as it were as a game that God gives us to play within which we will find our greatest joy and greatest fulfillment let me put it like this there is no such thing as a sport or a game which has no rules it is the rules that define the game, that create the game out of nothing. And it's only when we play by the rules that actually we can flourish within the course of whatever game it is that we're playing. Children playing, they know the rules, they play the game. One boy or girl doesn't want to play by the rules and everything, well, let's put it like this, all hell breaks loose. No, it's when the rules are known that actually creativity and joy... And life can flourish in abundance. No rules, no football, no basketball, no golf or tennis, no monopoly or bridge or whatever it is. That's why God gives us the commandments to play the game of life as it was intended to be played for our blessing and for our joy. So the Bible speaks to us with these rules and these commandments that come to us from God. And then in the second place, the God who speaks to us through the Bible makes promises to us. Not just commandments, but promises. And sometimes these go hand in hand. We find the two of them together. So let me share two of the great promises of Scripture that are personally important, important to me. Many of you know this one. It's in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. It begins with three commandments. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a commandment. Do not rely on your own insight. That's a commandment. In all your ways, acknowledge God. That's a commandment. And then comes the promise, and God will direct your paths. You want God to not only speak, but direct your paths. All of us need a guide in life, every single one of us. We don't know where we're going. We've never been this way before. We all need a guide in life, and the promise is that God will be that guide. That follows... Those commandments, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge God. And then the promise, God will direct your path. You want the promise? We all do. A foundation for life linked to those commandments. Or in the letter to the Romans, another promise preceded by subgentle commandments, not so forcefully stated. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want salvation? You want to enter into a relationship with God that nothing can break now and through all eternity? Two things. Two things need to be done. You need to believe that God has the power to raise the dead because we are dead in our trespasses and since he did this in Jesus, he will do this for us. We need to believe it in our heart, but what is in our heart must come out on our lips as well. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you need to do that, sort of a command. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's a command you need to believe. Then the promise flows from that. So God speaks in the Bible through commandments and through promises. And then a third way in which God speaks in the Bible that I want to share with you, and that is through stories, through stories. Almost half of the Bible, over 40% of the Bible, is comprised not of promises, not of commands, but of stories, story after story after story in the pages of Scripture. Here's a word from a book publisher, not a Christian as far as I know, by the name of Tom Corson Knowles, who writes about the power of stories from a secular point of view. This is what he says. The human brain is hardwired to communicate through stories. Everyone has a story to tell. Every culture has stories to tell. Kids can't wait to hear a good story. You'll bore most people with a presentation about financial numbers, but just about any room of people will be captivated by a decent story told well. Stories connect us to universal truths about ourselves and our world. When important teachings are embedded in a story, we embrace that information uniquely because we tend to remember not just the facts or the elements in the story, but also the underlying emotions, passions, fears, sadness, hardships, and joys. When a story moves us, we're often motivated to take action without there having to be a commandment. We have a sense that the story is leading us in a certain direction and there's energy within the story which moves us to action. Stories shape our perception of the world and help create our identities, how we think about the world and how we live our lives. That's how stories work. That's how our nation works. We tell stories about our wars, for example, our wins and our losses. They shape us, whether it's the war of independence, the Civil War, World War II, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. Each of these carries with them a certain set of stories which define who we are. And depending where we are on the generational scale, some of those stories will have more impact than others, but they have a powerful impact on our lives. We tell stories about the origin of our nation that also shape us. And we come to realize that we pick and choose the stories we tell and there's some stories we choose not to tell, which we don't like so much. And we need to tell, whether it's about slavery or justice or injustice, and if we choose not to tell stories, that will shape us too. If we choose to tell them, that will shape us as well. The stories we tell or don't tell have the power to shape our lives. Those in included and those omitted. In fact, stories are so powerful in life that very often we take the data of life and we choose to deal with the data in such a way that the story will stay intact and we will mess up the data in order for the story to stay intact. This is a real danger in science where somebody is desperate to be the first person to prove something. And it happens from time to time. They will manipulate the data to make sure they get the result they want. We're human, it can happen that way. It can also happen with stories we tell about elections. There are stories we want to believe and they are so powerful that we will interpret the data through the story. I say this not so much to make a political point but to say this is what God has given us in the Bible. And in the Bible, we believe that these are the stories that God wants for us to know, to place within our minds by which we filter all of life. And it's not so much that we just remember the command or the promise, but then in the crises of life, the stories come into our minds and feed our souls so that we have a sense of who we are and what we are supposed to do. And they are there they are the bedrock of our existence because we have taken time to listen for the word of god we have stepped aside to listen for what god is saying in the realm of nature but in the book that god has given us we need those commandments to play the game of life with the greatest joy that's why god gives them to us we need those promises a foundation on which we can base our lives, a trust which relieves us of enormous anxiety. But also God gives us stories, the story of Israel, the story of Jesus, the story of Abraham and of Esther, the story of Peter and Paul and Mary and Joseph. And we say, what do we do with those? To begin with, nothing. You just place them in your life. God will bring them to the surface at the right time in the right way, and through them shape our life and character and our community so that we will become, by the power of God's word, the people God wants us to be. We talk to God through that talk, an intimacy is created. But God talks to us too. And the question is, are we listening? And are we tuned in to the right frequency or wavelength? May God help us to stop, listen, and tune in. Let's pray. Holy God, come to us. In a world in which we often think you're silent, speak to us and empower us through that speech to be the people of your calling, the people of your good pleasure, Members of your family, through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.